Coming up on the Change My Life podcast. People in the black church and even in the world always had this perception that Christian rap was whack or it was corny. But that's ignorant perception. Because at this time I met this kid, he was amazing. So he started coming around my house to meet with my brother who was a music producer, hip hop. And he started getting beats from him. So I started hearing his music and I was like, man, he's really, really good rapper. But he had been witnessing to me through all this time. And at this point, whatever Christian badge I wore started to wear off. As he started sharing and pointing me to different scriptures, and he pointed me to uh, this is this theologian, this Baptist preacher named Paul Washington, and he started sending me his sermons. And I remember being angry. That sermon made me question my whole life. And mm. I felt like before that God had used that young man's witness. Because you know how like um, the Bible says like one person, they plant the seed, yes. the other comes along and water. Waters, the seed yes. had been planted because I had been in church culture my whole life. Mm. But I felt like God sent him to water it and yes. say, I'm going to cut and dig deeper and peel away at these layers because uh, professing Christians should bear fruit. Even Jesus says, like, why call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? everyone, this is MJ. Thank you for joining me once again. I hope you are having a great day today. I just want to take this time to say thank you to all of our listeners and subscribers. And those of you who are new to the Change My Life family, welcome. I hope that you would subscribe. There'll be many inspirational episodes that will be coming your way. And don't forget, you can stay connected with us on social media. We're on Facebook as well as Instagram at Change My Life Podcast. So thanks again for your love and support. Okay, I am super excited about today's episode and my very special guest. She is a Chicago singer, rapper, and poet who creates social conscious Christian inspired music in hopes of bringing spiritual transformation to cultures and communities that are in need. She has performed at multiple events in and outside of Chicago, and music lovers around the world relate and connect to her music, indicated by her album's 50k streams on spotify while her success continues to grow she never strays from her mission to bring positive change to her city and now coming to the stage now i'm just kidding (laughs) the lovely asia marie thank you for being on change my life today what an intro (laughs) loving it yes yes and so i wasn't expecting it girl you doing it you doing your thing I absolutely, I just love, 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 love music. Me I love music that is meaningful. I love music that uplifts you, encourages you. Um, music that just sounds good and has a positive, godly message. Hey, man, we need more of it. We do. And that's the kind of music that Asia Marie creates. And so we're going to talk about her journey and some more things today. So I hope you all will please Share this episode with someone. I know they're going to be blessed by this. All right. Let's jump into it. So, Aisha, tell us about your music background and your, your upbringing, how you got into the, the whole music thing. Yeah. So, PK, first and foremost. What's a PK? Preacher's kid. <laughs> okay. Preacher's kid and pastor's kid. My uncles are pastors, preachers. It's a lot of preachers, pastors quartet singers gospel quartet singers and singers in the family okay so i always preface my upbringing with that because people kind of know like how i started in the church like most artists so um i began you know my journey in the church my father passed a preacher and so when we were little kids i mean i was always drawn towards music but Mm -hmm. then when we were kids 
I guess my dad got tired of the revolving door musicians we had at our church. So he decided to put us all in piano lessons. Mm-hmm. So I was made to play. And um, so it would be me, my younger brother, my baby sister, and we were made to play. So we you know, learned all the gospel songs and eventually became the musicians for the church. So I grew up in a little storefront Baptist church. I've read West Inglewood on the south side of Chicago. Shout out to Inglewood, West Inglewood. <laughs> okay. That's where I'm from. That's what I rep proudly. And man, it's very much the neighborhood that, that shaped me. And uh, I always like to say I was shaped by the black church. Okay. And uh, in the hood, both of them, both of them kind of equally. So my, I mean, growing up, the sounds I heard in my household were like my first influences. Like my aunt's amazing singer. She suffered a stroke recently during the pandemic, but she, but her voice is still intact. Like she can still blow. Wow. My mom is a singer. My grandmother sang. My grandmother's sisters. It, it was just mm. like all these all the quartet singers. So I grew up on the Ken Spirituals, but I also grew up on Sam Cooke too. Cause oh, okay. you know, Sam Cooke had Chicago connections and you know, he was well known, but yeah, girl of church, the black church. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was in church Monday through Sunday, New Year's Eve, Christmas Eve. I was in church all the time. So that's my, that's my background, my upbringing. Okay. So that's, that's good. So you come from a musically inclined family. I would was say like my immediate family. Immediate Everybody family. did something musical. But that was at the time when like, you know, you just sang in a choir. Like people just called you up to do stuff. I kind of feel like when you're a PK, you're, there's a spotlight on you, but there's also expectations. Like nobody asks you to do anything. It's like, oh, you're going to sing. You're going <laughs> to emcee the program. It's just kind of like it, it's become second nature to you. And I feel like sometimes when you're a PK, you learn to do everything. You're playing, you're singing, you're directing, you're emceeing the program, you put together <laughs> Black History Month. Sometimes I taught Sunday school to the little kids. So it's, you know, I kind of like that atmosphere. And I do credit the Black church. A lot of people, they have negative things to say about the Black church. And there's negative, but there's also a lot of positive too in that. I think it was the best training ground where you learn how to do public speaking. Yeah, because you're speaking in front of crowds. You have to memorize your Easter speech. Um, I'm even thinking back to now. I'm in predominantly white spaces where they sing with the music stand and the music there. I didn't grow up doing that. I don't know anyone else who grew up doing that. If it was five thousand words, you had to learn those five thousand words or those verses, chorus, whatever it is, and <laughs> sing. So I feel like the black church is very much hit the ground running. You know, I love those stories of um, Andre Crouch when he said my, you know, I don't know if it was his father or a family member, but the church he grew up in, he was like, we needed a musician. My father prayed, laid hands on me. And guess what? <laughs> I was there. Like, that was me. Okay. But I love that you got to hit the ground running and just you learn so much. I feel like, um, I don't know, I feel like it prepares you, prepares you for life. Yeah. Um, and I like that about the black church. I love that my foundation is the church. I'm not embarrassed of that background. I love that gospel music is mm. my thing. I love, I know the artists. I know the songs. I know the community. I can name certain black preachers that I grew up with. I just love that that environment and that foundation. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it for anything. Yeah, that's awesome. Really yeah. awesome. So with this gospel churchy background, gospel music, you decided to kind of go the hip hop route yeah. when it comes to your your music ministry. So why did you decide to go that route? You didn't go the 
the Baptist traditional churchy route. You went the hip hop route. So yeah. why did you do that? So actually, I, I started off in gospel. Okay. So I had I had a gospel group when I was like nineteen. It was called Asia and Agape. And the reason I started it is because at the time I was in a relationship with the drummer and I would like be around him and his friends when they would go to sessions and in concerts. Like that whole world was new to me, like going to like gospel concerts, mm-hmm. going to sessions. So once I got introduced to that and then I attended Columbia College where I was surrounded by a lot of artistic people. Shout out to Columbia. Yes. Love, I loved <laughs> all four years of Columbia. I had a great time at that school. But once I got in that environment, and I started, you know, going to different rehearsals and being around different people. It kind of opened me up a lot more. So I had always been a writer. I had a composition book that I kept on me and I would write poems, stories, poetry, all types of things. But when I got turned on to that world, I started writing songs. And um, one of my best friends, his name is Rontrell Skinner. I got to shout him out. And uh, I also shout out to Terrence Holmes. They were some of the first people that I connected with that brought music to like, Brought my music to life. So I had the songs, I had the melodies and the arrangements, but they really helped me cultivate some solid music. So when I started out, man, those days were fun because we would just link up at my dad's church and work on music. This was every week, sometimes two or three times a week, just to work on original material. And from there, I started, you know, my gospel group. Shout out to Asia and Agape. <laughs> we would go around town singing at different churches, different events and stuff like that. And then at Columbia, I had friends who were music engineering majors. So they would be like, hey, Asia, I got to record something for class. Can your group come do it? So that started my foray into the studio sessions world. Okay. And then it just kind of went from there. So I did that for a while. And then... um I don't know if it I don't know if it's necessarily stopped more so than it was it's hard to get a, a group of consistent people yes. that you can move forward with in that. And at the time this was before streaming, this was before social media, this was before all of that. But I think what happened was financially I ran out of money. I was like nineteen twenty, I was broke. I ran out of money, so I wasn't in the studio recording anymore, but I was still writing songs. So I would still meet up with Trails, still meet up with Slim. We record these songs. And I would do demos every now and then with different singers from Chicago, from my hometown. So um, it was an interesting journey. And then eventually um, there came a point in my life where I was a professing believer. I grew up in church. I was in this church culture, but I wasn't, I didn't know what it meant to be a Christian, like to live as a Christian. Mm. So when I was at Columbia, I was, I wouldn't say I had one foot of, in and one foot out. I think I just ignorantly kind of like, I professed to be a believer. Like I very much thought I was saved because I had grown up in this whole saturated and all this culture. But there's a difference when you uh, commit your life to Christ and and really make the decision. Like, you know what? I'm submitting my life to him. Because at that time, everyone around me would have been like, oh yeah, she's a Christian. She living the life. But for me from the heart, like I was obedient to the scriptures that I really repent and give my life to Christ. So I wasn't bearing any fruit like in that area. So I had all the church lingo and all the church things in place. Not that I was being phony, but I think that happens to a lot of people. When you grow up in a culture, you can say all the right things, do all the right things, but no one discipled me. So I didn't know what it meant to like, when I got baptized as a little kid, no one came to me and said, hey, did you know, do you know what that means? Do you know what it means to walk with Jesus every day? Because, you know, once you go through high school and college, just like any other kid, I'm trying to find my identity and find my place. Yes. So, you know, I had different sin patterns and stuff in my life. And um, this kid 
stepped on Columbia College campus and just started preaching the gospel. Like he just started witnessing to mm. me. His name was TJ. He was a Christian rapper. So pay attention to the story. He was okay. a Christian rapper. Okay. At this time, people in the black church and even in the world always had this perception that Christian rap was whack or it was corny. But that's ignorant perception. Because at this time I met this kid, he was amazing. So he started coming around my house to meet with my brother, who was a music producer, hip hop. And he started getting beats from him. So I started hearing his music. And I was like, man, he's really, really a rapper. But he had been witnessing to me through all this time. And at this point, uh, whatever Christian badge I wore started to wear off as he started sharing and pointing me to different scriptures. And he pointed me to uh, this is this theologian, this Baptist preacher named Paul Washer, this white guy. And he started sending me his sermons. And I remember being angry. I remember he would share with me and hang up the phone. And then I was in this this lengthy relationship at the time. And, you know, don't come for my relationships with the people <laughs> I love. Like, he was just like, you know, what what are, you know, what are you doing in this relationship? Are you even walking with the Lord? And so at, at one point, I was just, like, completely floored. And I remember I was 24 years old. I was in my room. I had watched that sermon by Paul Washer. It's called Shocking Youth Sermon. If if you are any, you know, if you're familiar with Paul Washer, you know what sermon I'm talking about. You can find it on YouTube now. That sermon made me question my whole life. And mm. I felt like before that God had used that young man's witness. Because you know how like um, the Bible says like one person, they plant the seed, yes. the other comes along mm. and water. Waters, the seed yes. had been planted because I had been in church culture my whole life. Mm. But I felt like God sent him to water it and yes. say, I'm going to cut and dig deeper and peel away at these layers because uh, professing Christians should bear fruit. Even Jesus says, like, why call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? So I don't, I don't want to say I have like a wild testimony like most people. I was in the street. I was slinging drugs. I was doing drugs. I don't have that. But I very much, like I was in sin. I mean, fornication. Uh, I got drunk like a couple times, went to some parties and clubs and stuff like that. But um, nothing like too wild. But there wasn't like a clear kind of like direction. Like my life is hidden in Christ. Like I'm bearing fruit. Yes. I'm not enslaved to sin. So. I remember just kind of being at the end of my rope. I I got to the point I was trying to do all the things that people said to do to be successful, right? Go to school, get get your degrees. I got my bachelor's. Get you a good job, White House with, you know, picket fence, get married, <laughs> have kids. I was like pursuing all those things that they said that would make me successful and I still felt empty. Mm. So I remember being at church and being on the organ and just feeling dead inside like, Lord, what is the purpose for my life? And I was suicidal. So I, I was actually contemplating suicide. I would be like, what would be a peaceful way to go? Because I felt like I'm chasing all the things the world and even people in my church community say to chase and I don't feel whole. I don't mm. feel secure in any of these things. And um, I mean, it was a sad place to be. And I was living at, at home at this time. And so, man, the Lord showed up right on time. I sound like the old church people. The Lord really stepped in right on time. Right on like, time. no doubt, because um, I watched that sermon and the Lord had been chipping away at my heart. And I repented. I remember, like, getting on my knees, crying out to God, 24 years old in my room. And I just started repenting. All the sins I could think of and name, I just started saying, Lord, I repent for all these things. And, you know, forgive me and i believe i forgive me. i believe that's when i was saved like i truly got saved it wasn't in the church it was in my room and um i thank god for the faithful witness of believers because you know the harvest is plentiful but the labors are few i thank god for the laborers who one don't give up on their friends and their loved ones they're praying but they're also talking they're speaking they're challenging people 
So that began my transformation. So at that point, I had stopped the gospel music because in my mind, it was connected to a lot of hypocrisy. Mm. Because, it's you know, as you know, as some of you who are listening, there's a lot of um, kind of double living in, yes. in the gospel music community. You have a lot of... I was exposed to a lot of sexual immorality on the scene, people like getting high consistently, things that aren't consistent with behavior and actions of believers that are questionable. So um, I had to remove myself from that scene. So I disconnected myself from a lot of the people I was disconnected to. I had friends angry with me. But at that time, I was like, I have to get away with God and grow and mature. So I had that season of my life where I did that. And I wasn't doing no music. I was just sitting and learning the word. So the young man who witnessed to me invited me to his church. And I started going pretty regularly. And I just developed a love for the word. And I was discipled by uh, two women there that taught me how to study the word, how to rightly divide the word of truth, and um, to really like ask the Holy Spirit to apply it to my life. And they walked with me. And taught me what it meant to be a young Christian woman in this crazy world. And I, those years were so pivotal for me, not only as an artist, but just as a Christian and as a woman. And so it was at that time, um, yeah, I just started, you know, walking with the Lord. And then P4CM Poetry Ministry started out in like California. And they would have these amazing open mics for spoken word artists who were young and Christian. So at that time, they started going viral. And I got hip to their videos and it was around that time I felt like God just sparked writing in me so I started writing rhymes now I had already in my teenage years I started rapping at 15 16 okay and so I had like my my dad who was a pastor was way more lenient like he let us live but he was also 25 years older than my mom so he had already had kids so by the time me and my siblings came along he he was way he was just way more lenient my mom was a strict one like no secular music in my house none um, and if you do, I got to listen to, you know what I'm saying? And so, um, so 15, 16, me and my brother, we were deep, deep, deep into rap, even though, you know, we were church kids and we started rapping freestyle, never formally recorded anything. But um, as I got throughout my teenage years, you know, and uh, young adult years kind of put that down, the gospel. When I got saved, it circled back around. So I started hearing about these poets and I just started writing. Like I would be up. One, two, three a.m. writing, just typing notes in my phone, scribbling in notebooks, lyrics, poetry and rap lyrics. So I feel like the talent to rap was already there, but I wasn't composing any songs. So then around that time, my brother, he was headed out to L.A. and I have a cousin here. His name is D. Lyles. He's well known around Chicago. like He does a lot of music and performances. They were already in studios and releasing music and doing performances. So they were my connection to kind of get back into the studio. But this time I was doing Christian rap. Mm. And uh, that's how I chose. Well, I want to say rap chose me because nobody in my family would ex- you know, expected me to do this. If you talk to my mom, she's going to be like, I never would have <laughs> okay. thought. In my family, I think that they're still surprised because no one knew. I didn't even know. Mm. But it's one of those things. If you're a shy person, I was a very shy person. Um, even to this day, if I if I get up on the stage before I have to perform, I'm nervous to the point of vomiting. Like I'm like, uh, just all the 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 butterflies and everything you feel. But once I get that first word out, those first lines out, I just fly. When I first started doing poetry, 
my friend told me, Aisha, if you find yourself getting so nervous, just look over their heads. But I could only do that for so long mm-hmm. because when when you learn to get into the dynamics of your performance of your performing, you can't do you got to like face people. So the more you do it, the more comfortable you become. But that's where rap came in. So, uh, man, shout out to TJ and all those people that played a role because I wouldn't have known. And then when I discovered Christian rap, man, it was the best thing ever. The best thing since. And it has it's its own like it's a sub genre within the genre and it's steadily growing. Um, so I'm grateful for that audience and shout out to all the consumers and people who support it because the young people in churches, a lot of times when I'm brought to youth churches, they're not listening to, not all the time. They're not as familiar with CHA. They're listening to Drake. They're listening to Wayne. They're listening to Nikki or, you know, all the little rappers out there. And they're not as familiar with Christian rap. So I think the value in it is that for a lot of churches, like this is the music of the young people. Hip hop is dominant now. Um, my dad, who's 83, he said when hip hop came out in the 70s, I thought it was just going to be a f- overnight thing and it'll be done. I hmm. said, I can't believe it's still going today. And I think it's um, it's like the biggest kind of wow. musical genre for, for young people because they all listen to hip hop. So is that is that who you're trying to reach or is that who you feel God is calling you to be a witness to? I feel like my audience is a... Is a mixture of people who grew up in in the church who have their background in gospel, Christian music, and they love that, but they love hip hop too. I feel like it's it's like a kind of cross collaboration thing. I think it's people who love and enjoy both, but also I'm aware of hip hop culture. Like I listen to the the podcast and the blogs because I'm a music teacher. I teach songwriting, and I have to be aware of what my students are into. Now I'm not feeding my soul and regularly listening to and engaging in the content which we can talk about later because I I do make a difference between, I draw the line with secular and profane music, which I think we need to do and not be so legalistic about. But like I said, I do see the value in in that. And I think my audience, people who are fans of hip hop and who also appreciate gospel, because I feel like it's only a small (laughs) group of people who are familiar with both. You know what I mean? And appreciate both. Yes. So, I mean... It is becoming more popular, like you said, because some years ago, you didn't really hear about rap in the church like that. Yeah, you did. I had that background, too, where I grew up in the black church. You didn't hear about rap in the church like that. It was not one of those things that was just prevalent. Now it is. So my question is, there's some people that still struggling with that. Yeah. They feel like that kind of music does not belong in the church or that's not quote unquote, real gospel music. Y'all just bringing the world in the church. Y'all need to take that back out to the world. So what are your thoughts on on that? Yeah, I think people, because I have a cousin who's a who's a, a pastor and I have people in my life who, who I love. Like they'll let me come poetry, but do poetry. They won't let me rap at the church because they're <laughs> very strict and stern. So yes. for me, if I come into an environment where I know they want me to come, but it's just not allowed. Like I have to dress a certain way. I will fall in line because okay. I don't think it's worth bucking against when it's, right. they just don't. If they're letting me come and they say you can share this mm-hmm. with these, you know, with, the, with these limitations, I'll do that. I won't buck against that culture. But when it comes to people, kind of uh, demeaning and downing it, I would love to challenge them and have a conversation and say, "Have you listened to the content?" I understand hip hop gets a bad rep. One, in a lot of cases, it should. 
the majority of mainstream rap, it promotes sexual immorality. It promotes a drinking and drug culture, uh, crime and violence, and um, all type of anti-Christ, anti-Bible messages and sin. It, I mean, th- let's just call it what it is. Same thing for R&B, too. But not all of it is that way. Right. Um, and this is where I, say I draw the line. I think people in church, you know, some people... You aren't going to be able to change your minds, but some people you are if you have them sit down and listen to the content. I would recommend people go on rapgenius.com. They have lyrics to all songs, all genres. And when you look at Christian hip hop, look at the lyrics. It's the one, there's a benefit to it in that it's music that's family friendly. I don't, I'm not, uh, I don't have to be censored. When I go to perform at high schools and churches, I don't have to be censored. Your grandma can listen to it, your great grandma, <laughs> yes. all the way down to the little babies because it's clean music, but it's, it's godly music. Right. Um, like I said, it, it has the ear of the young people right now, hip hop. It, it like their antennas go up, you know, when we come to these churches and we perform. But also I would like I said, the Bible talks about like whatever things are pure, lovely, excellent, worthy of praise, think on these things. It also says um, in Colossians, it talks about this is kind of like my one of the verses I like to apply to my music because Colossians talks about it says uh, basically like um, constantly admonish each other to like enact Christian principles and live out Christian values. And it says uh, make hymns and spiritual songs. songs, Rap can be spiritual songs. Now, the genre is different. But the content and the lyrical content can very much glorify God, point and exalt Jesus Christ, and to let people know, like, yes, we have a good time. Yes, the genre is hip hop, but the message and the content is different. And more importantly, our lives are different. And I would even challenge them to say, what about these gospel artists who you know, they're singing messages and songs about Jesus Christ, but they live profane lives, Mm. Which is just, a bad, just as bad, or I would even say, if not worse, because mm. they're living profane lives. We know people who are Christian and gospel artists, sexually sexually immoral. You know, like we know people in that. It, I can't tell you the amount of gospel Christian sessions I've been in, people cursing, people getting high. They have to get high before a session. They have to get drunk before a session. Christian musicians and gospel artists living in open sexual immorality. Like it's known of it. The Paul says like, don't even let this stuff be named among you. And again, Christianity, no, it's not perfection, but it's like, we're looking at the perfect one. Like we're aiming towards it. So is your life, when people look at your life, what is driving your life? And then what is driving your decisions? Are you a slave to sin? Are you a slave to Jesus Christ? And what are you promoting through your life? So I would just challenge that to say, we have to make a distinction between secular music and profane there is music that is secular that is good and beautiful um and that advocates principles like philippians 4 things that are true lovely even wisdom all wisdom comes from god now it's not all godly wisdom but like i always like to use example john mayer's song father be good to your daughters daughters will love like you do girls become mothers who turn into lovers so mothers be good to your daughters that is Philippians 4, like it, it, it is a clean song, but it also is a song that has value, that mm-hmm. is teaching the principles. Now, profane music is promoting the booty shaking and sexual morality, teaching you how to commit crimes. You can learn a lot of negative stuff from hip hop, but there's positive too. So I would say don't knock the Christian hip hop until you listen to it. I hope you enjoyed part one of our interview with Christian hip hop artist Asia Marie. 
please subscribe because I don't want you to miss part two where she continues to talk about her wonderful journey in her music ministry. In the meantime, you can check her out. I left her info in the show notes. And don't forget, you can stay connected with us on social media. We're on Facebook as well as Instagram at Change My Life Podcast. Wow. Who knew ministry through Christian hip hop would change my life?